Pay attention to me, not them. Neat. Hello and welcome to Isn't It Neat, a podcast where we talk about things we think are neat. My name is Erin and I'm joined by my sisters, Helen. Hello. And Caitlin. Hi. This week, we will be discussing movie number seven in the Disney Renaissance, The Majestic, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Da, 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 da. So good, you guys. I love this film. I love this property. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realise until I turned it on and I got all the goosebumps and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love it so good. Did you guys watch it? I was gonna, but I was watching Critical Role and I was really invested. (laughs) Priorities, (laughs) difference. (laughs) That's kind of fair enough, I guess. Did you watch it, Caitlin? Yeah, I'm. I got to um, the bit where Frollo's just having his moment, and I replayed that like seven or eight times, and then we had to record. And then you're like, "That's enough." Yeah, yeah. I've I've watched the length of the movie. Hell fire, dark fire, hell fire in my skin. This This burning desire is turning me to sin. sin. It's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very epic, which is probably why I like it so much. Yeah. So this film was released in 1996. I was nine years old. I was six. Three. I don't remember <laughs> seeing this at the cinema. Like, I, I definitely I remember don't seeing Pocahontas we... in the cinema, but we probably would have seen this. Maybe. Mm. Um, also, I rem- I vaguely remember, but I might be mm, mashing things up, but I remember, like, a trailer for it where it wasn't coloured yet and Quasimodo singing out there and he's hanging off some sort of tower. Mm. And, like, hangs off the parapet. there. Like seeing bits of it, so which seems like I remember a lot of trailers that were like this night next Disney movie, but it's not coloured in yet. Yeah, but I think that was that we would see things like that at the end of like the previous movie, so there would be like outtakes and and ads oh, on for the, the video, next movie. yeah, on the VHS, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so this film. It's based on Victor Hugo's 1831 novel. Loose. <laughs> Very loose. Yeah. Um, have either of you read the novel? No, no. but I'm aware of the um, yeah, that it's French significantly musical, Hedrick, where it's like much closer to the, yeah, which I've seen and I love it because there's like the pearl dance bit and I'm like, I don't know what they're saying, but I love it. <laughs> um, I, I've read this book. I've read the novel and I have read it twice. Ooh. Which for a dense literature book, like it's it's on my it's on my shelf of books that I like value Aww. that I quite enjoy but are dense to read. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I I actually really like the book. It is tough because there's a lot of it is just Victor Hugo describing Paris. Um, and oh, I'm I, never going to read that. Ma- book. I couldn't make it through <laughs> all the way through Les Misérables. Um, I can lend it to you. Only if you bring it back. Though. Yes. Oh, I hope this it was one on of those my mouldy ones. ones, though. Oh no, we'll have to check. Fa- I remember reading it. I think I actually picked it up in Germany. Um, they have books for real cheap, and they have like books in English for real cheap. Oh. Um, I re- I remember reading it, and then I went to read it again. I was like, I liked that book. I'm going to read it again. I remembered it being similar to, you know, how The Hobbit mm. is a way easier read than Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and like I can re- reread The Hobbit, it's fine. Um, that's how I thought of it, of like The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's like The Hobbit of Les Miserables. <laughs> <laughs> Les Miserables is the Lord of the Rings yeah. and Hunchback yeah. is the, um, the Hobbit. But then when yeah. I started reading it and I was like, oh, and this is way more dense than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I still made it all the way through. I um, did read the first two books of the Lord of the Rings saga. I tried to. I know I made myself do it because it was a hard slog and it was near impossible. Um, mm. But I knew at the time as I was reading it that the imagery that I'm taking away is quite powerful and would work really well cinematically. Um, but, like, to have it written down, it's just this dense piece of yeah and like, i and i made it all the way through and and it was a it was a somewhat pleasant surprise cuz i'm like i'm doing it i've got this much left there's still a chunk and then i came to the end and i was like oh cuz it's all like footnotes and yeah. shit and i was like i am not reading those i am now finished the yeah. end <laughs> so i finished way earlier than <laughs> i thought i was going to i borrowed the first book from the library and tried to read it so hard yeah you got a time limit to read yeah. from the library. Like, I think I got, like, I tried to read the first chapter and went, oh, I can't read this <laughs> and ended up just returning it. Anyway, this isn't about Les, um, Les Mis. Or this Lord of the Rings. Les Mis or Lord <laughs> of the Hunchback. Rings. It's about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, so this film's considered to be, like, one of the darkest in the Disney canon, just due to the themes mm. of like genocide and infanticide and yeah. rape and yeah and puritanical yeah. stuff. Mm. And um, I guess this is but it is so stuff. like especially compared to the book, mm. it is so so um, Disney fied yeah. that I don't even find it dark at all. <laughs> like yeah, I'm like, I it's so I Disney, it's so Disney. I think I recognize the darkness. Yeah, the need uh, smash his enemies and plunged him into a fiery pit, and then he falls and catches the gargoyle, and it looks like a demon, and he's falling into the fiery yeah. pit himself. And yeah, I thought, but that's that kind of almost very... the same as Gaston's yeah. demise. Yeah, the was, fall yeah. is the same, but the characterization of Frollo yeah. is wh- yes. where the darkness sits, I think, and like yeah, I. But then there's also the whole like Romani. They call them. Gypsies, but yeah, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that we'll say Gypsy is a slur, so we'll be referring to them as Romani. Yeah, and I I remember being very young, and this is before I understood like music theory or anything, and thinking it was very, very cool to have the jester fellow start narrating a story and then have that big swoop where you actually saw the story was real. And it was like Mm -hmm. happening in real time. And he has the puppets and the whole like uh, she ran and it's the and then like the yeah. deacons there oh just the <gasps> I just went this is cool this is this might actually be the point where me as a child was like wow staging is amazing <laughs> like, yeah and not I having the words a, for it I think as a kid this movie wasn't maybe because there were no princesses in it Esmeralda. I didn't, really identify, I didn't really identify with Esmeralda, but it is definitely more Cosimodo's story. Yeah. And I was kind of like, eh, I'll go back to The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. They were like yeah. my kind of staples. But now, like as an adult, I'm like, like I, and, and the epicness of them, I love, love, yeah. love the music and the yeah. score. And I'm like, like I would say that this is like Alan Menken's finest Mm. work mm. so Alan Menken wrote the music and mm-hmm. uh teamed up with Stephen Schwartz again for the lyrics mm-hmm. um they 
there was no Academy Awards for this film. Yeah. This should have been though. Mm. They got there were they got one nomination for best score or something. Can't remember. Um, didn't win anything. And looking down the list on Wikipedia of like awards and and stuff, most of the awards that happened were were sound related, but not music related. They were like sound design or like mm. there was only a few. There wasn't that many, mm. and they were like obscure kind of awards. Which is really kind of disappointing. It is. Mm. What were they? What was it up against? You know. Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can probably look it up. I, I don't know what it was up against. Because like, if it was up against something that was like equally as like wow, I would be okay with it. But if it was up against something like, pfft. let me have a look. Hatchback of Notre Dame film. Film. Uh, yes, excellent. Sometimes when you click on links that say Academy Awards, it just takes you to like the Academy Awards are um, instead of. So this is the 69th Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Best picture was the English patient. English patient. It's up against Fargo and Jerry Maguire's Secrets on Life. No, oh, it wasn't even in that category. Where is. We probably Animation. won't even have. Where's the Let's sound and animations categories? Foreign language, best documentary, live action. Well, it only had that one. Oh, here we go. So, best original musical or comedy score was the um was category the nomination. Yep. Um, and Emma won. Emma. Emma. Which I suppose is an adaptation. Oh no, ninety nine six Emma. That is a good movie. Okay. I will allow this. But does it have a good score? I can't remember, but it's a good Ooh, movie. Oh, it's got Alan Cumming in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, we, we should watch this. I don't think I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. And Tony Collette and Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Ooh. oh, it's good. Oh, Evita came out that year. Oh. Because that won Best okay. Original Song, which is the song that they wrote for Evita, You Must Love Me, which is actually a really good song. I like that one. Um, Which was Tim Rice. Mm. Anyway, yeah. all right. So, like, there were were a lot of good movies going up. So, like, we can excuse yeah. them for not recognizing Hunchback as the genius that it is mm. Mm, for the yeah. music, especially. Yeah. Um, this was Disney's first animated film produced at a budget over a hundred million. Mm. And when when you look at it, it looks it looks very similar to um, Rescuers Down Under. Like yeah. it's clean yeah. and it, the scenery is just beautiful. But like like I was saying for Pocahontas, I felt like the scenery was really nice in Pocahontas, but like the drawing, the animation of the characters was a bit meh. But this was just like beautiful, seamless. Mm. Just, yeah. It was just so good. Um, and there's very distinct silhouettes, even yes. for like mm. the background characters. Like in The Feast of Fools, like they were, each of the random men that they pulled out of the crowd, very easy to see that they're different people, not yeah. the same person just pulling a different face. Um, yeah, Belle's in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Belle. And there's like another couple of cameos yeah. um, that I always forget I think, that they're um, in there. I remember seeing that the, the um, Cogsworth and um, Lumiere are there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, the same, the, the, the director was the same for Beauty and the Beast and... Mm. Mm. And Hunchback, I can't remember his name. Didn't write it down. I was like, it's not important. It's not Alan. What's Mankin. his name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, 
Yeah, it was yeah. good though. Um, I've been to Paris. Have you guys been to Paris? You know we haven't, Erin. I've been Stop to Paris. rubbing it in our faces. Yeah. The worst. And I have been to Paris <laughs> in winter. So yeah. this is this is set 6th of January. They say the Feast of Fools on the 6th yep. of January. Um, and I can tell you Paris doesn't look like that in in winter. So I visited Notre Dame. It looks it looks like it looks mm. in the film. Like they even it was put really, the rose it was funny in. because I and it and it is like like when I went there it was like oh my god it's it's like the animated film come to life. Mm. It looked you know like Disneyland has that quality of like it's like animation but come to life. It was like that yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful and I went up um, a tower. We c- I couldn't go to the very, very top because it was closed for construction. And then there's all this like mesh netting and stuff so you mm. don't fall and things. But I, I will post on Twitter and Instagram a photo of me with some gargoyles. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> um, but you couldn't see anything because it was winter. It wasn't snowing because I was there in late February. Um, it wasn't snowing, but it was still freezing. But like there was that frost yeah, hanging in the air, so you can't see very far, which is not at all like what happens in the movie. Yeah, but also yeah, the movie is before the advent of cars. <laughs> so yeah, and they're not all rugged up; they're like not wearing much. Um, they're peasants. Know, it's, like, it's Disney. It's like sixth yeah. of January in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like where we were, nice and warm. Um, yes, let's take a break, and we'll be back soon. <laughs> And we're back. I love the music, the beginning, that like olim into the bells of Notre Dame. Mm. That like comes through the clouds. Yeah, they use the 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 time that they had with their choir. Yeah, and all the like Latin chanting mm. and stuff. The whole the Gregorian way choir. Yeah, just, yeah. Maybe that's why I like. Maybe that's why I think it's just so so good. Yeah. Um. So we get another appearance of David Ogden Steers mm-hmm. in this film. Do you remember who that is? Nope. <laughs> he played Cogsworth yeah. and Ratcliffe and whatever that guy's name is and Pogondas, the sidekick. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I knew it last week. Wiggins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Um, he plays the Archdeacon. Yes. In this one. So he's all the way through. So we get him. We also get Jim Cummings who plays Rant and like Tower Guard number two or something mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of additional voices and we get Frank Welker as the little bird at the start that's nesting in oh, yeah. Yeah. Gargoyle's mouth. Like I'm not ready to go flying and they're having like a whole chat and he's just making bird noises. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Frank Welker is the creature guy Yeah, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. <laughs> um, and we've got some famous voices. So we've got Kevin Klein as... Phoebus, mm. who I actually really like. 
The way yeah. they've characterized Phoebus, he's just yeah. this kind of charismatic guy mm. who does the right <laughs> thing. Go away for a few decades and they change everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Achilles, sit. So he's, Achilles, he's lawful good. So he knows yeah. when something's wrong, but he waits for the order to do the right thing. Like he'll yeah. ask for it, but he has yeah. to wait. Like he can't just intercede. Whereas Esmeralda is chaotic good. <laughs> She's just like, yeah. yeah, I'm just doing yeah. it. <laughs> Justice. But but yeah. he's lawful good, but he also gets some witty one-liners. Yeah, which... I yeah. cringe very hard at Achilles' heel. Like, <laughs> but also <laughs> I, I love him that. for it. I love that. I was like, yeah. 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 you know like, that you the horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And Esmeralda is played by Demi Moore. Oh, of course. And this one is so uh, – Esmeralda has a different singing voice. Um, Phoebus doesn't because he doesn't sing. So that's kind of – that's fine. He do, They did write songs for him. They wrote, like, love songs and stuff, but they decided to cut them out. It so would have been sing, too So that's like a non-issue. But apparently – so in the process they cast all the main actors and then they, like – worked with them on the singing um but with Demi Moore she's like okay you gotta find someone else because it just wasn't like she wasn't a strong enough singer Mm. and so they're like okay like we've tried our best and they um cast someone else Heidi someone to sing her song and but with the voice of Cosimodo they did the same process and then we're like okay yeah he's fine and so they recorded mm. him singing, which seems like a different kind of process to like. What just, they have been doing. Yeah, it's what, where yeah. they've just been like, uh, they're, they're just separate voices. That's um, what you were talking about last week. You were like, I don't understand why all these like classically trained can sing type kind of actors mm. aren't the singing voices, whereas they've done it the other way around with this one, which I think works really well. Like the fact that Quasimodo doesn't necessarily have the strongest voice, but he's very sweet. Yeah. Is important and characterization. I really liked his voice, the way it sounded with them um, out there. Because I heard yeah, it at yeah. one of the Broadway productions, I think. I don't know. The version Michael of the Arden song. singing. Yeah. yeah. And I Which went, I oh, it's love. not the same. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. He's too it works, strong. It works in a theatre, a live yeah. theatre, yeah, I think. And it works theater. in juxtaposition with the way they do the dialogue the dialogue in yeah. the um Yeah, because the, the story is slightly different. Yeah, but for this medium, for this film. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's lovely, and he is yeah. he is an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, he's soft and gentle, and like the definition of don't judge a book by its cover. And he's so mm. like, he's so trusting and so gullible. Mm. Um, which is why which, you immediately love and want to take care of him because, like, how dare people take advantage of our poor little Quasimodo? And he gets taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, and Frollo is just awful. Yeah. He's, he's all great. sharp corners. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Like he, he's just character design like so severely contrasts Quasimodo, mm. who's, who's curves and edges in interesting places. For, uh, Frollo is sharp corners and straight lines. Um, and like mm. there's, it's all rigidity. And I just like, that's so good. It's so good. Mm. <laughs> the, I have a small problem with this film. The problem I have is that Esmeralda and Phoebus end up together because I feel like it's very Mm. much this beautiful woman and this beautiful man that obviously inevitably have to end up together. And and you know from the beginning that Quasimodo never even gets a look in with Esmeralda. She thinks of him as a friend. Mm. Um, And Quasimodo, I think... He the way he handles it is 
brilliant. It's exactly how people should handle it. Of mm-hmm. like, he's got an interest in her and is thinking, or maybe she's interested in me. And then when it becomes clear that she's not interested in him, he goes, oh, but mm-hmm. I'm really sad about that. Yeah. But that's a me problem. Yeah. And then he kind of moves through it. Yeah. And like, there's because a I, too. Yeah. I, I, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, but part of yeah, but part of that is of like, of course, she never would have loved me, and that's probably easier for him yeah. to accept just because of how he is. Um, and but I, yeah, I don't like that they the good looking people end up together. Like it, they didn't need to be a romance. So on a surface level, I agree with you, but when you actually look at the characterization, the mm. romance is actually built into the story. So when uh, Phoebus is first walking into town and he hasn't yet pulled his coat back so everyone can see he's got the I'm the boss of the guard shiny Mm -hmm. armour on, he sees Esmeralda dancing. They have eye contact. There's obviously like a little bit of hello, sailor. Um, And then Mm -hmm. the call, someone whistles that the guards are coming. She drops her money. He... She's getting away. He distracts the guards. Gets his horse to sit on. Yeah, he <laughs> notices some of the money on the ground. He picks it up and he recognizes her sitting in the corner pretending to be a beggar, and we'll just makes sure it to a beggar. No, he recognizes her. <laughs> it's the whole yeah, point. He gives the money, and yeah. he, he gives her the money. This is yours, yeah. sort of thing. Mm. And she goes, "Okay, this guy's." Like not like the Didn't rest notice. of the guards, hmm. right? And then he's and a great see guy. each other there. And then yeah. the next time they meet in the church, they he's have in the church. Little, um, she they, doesn't trust mm-hmm. him at all. He goes like, "I'm being very witty. I'm trying. I'm. I'm. Look at me. I'm. I'm quite smart." And she's like, "You're a fucking dickhead, mate." And then they're interrupted, and he turns to her and says, "Do this quickly so that you are safe." Like. I didn't need to tell you this before because you're safe from me, but now we have to keep you safe from the other people. And she f- goes, okay, and does it. And No, she doesn't do it. She oh, goes, the, you the tricked me. And then he just goes, she claims sanctuary. There's nothing yeah. I can do. <laughs> yeah, it becomes clear that yeah. he had her best interests. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they're a good. So they're building like, that he's relationship. He's a good guy and they're a good relationship. And, like, it's probably one of the better ones yeah but I don't think it like in the terms of it's just perpetuating the whole beautiful people yeah I see that to each other I like the 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 whole the whole um kind of message of the film is like except people who look a little bit different but they're still different and they're not going to have the same kind of love that beautiful people can have oh is that the message you got because I got the message that accept the people for who they are it doesn't matter if they're pretty or they're like not as um traditionally beautiful it's the person Mm. that you care about so yes Esmeralda slowly gets closer to Phoebus thinks he's kind of good and Quasimodo watches this happening and Mm -hmm. thought for a minute maybe him actually it wasn't him and then moves on and they continue their friendship that I think is good. It's a healthy way to mm. show how relationships actually work. Mm. I get where you're coming from. I don't take, I personally yeah, do not take I that message. I don't take it either. <laughs> yeah, but I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah it's I'm a not very surface it, yeah. level, simplistic kind of accept everyone. But then yeah. also with what you're saying, um, the like the relationships in this film, there's the kind of the juxtaposition of um the way the men react to Esmeralda mm. in this film. And there's and it's a little mm. bit more developed in the stage production. Um, 
but we get like heaven's light going into hellfire mm-hmm. um, and you get like Phoebus seeing Esmeralda and going, she's really pretty, but you don't see much from his perspective. Mm. And and um, Quasimodo seeing Esmeralda and being like, oh, my God, these feelings I'm having, she's really beautiful. Um, she didn't I like this feeling. Yeah, but this also must be like a heavenly thing. And then you have Hellfire, so you have Frollo seeing the same Extreme contrast. woman yeah. doing the same thing and, and the way that he reacts to that is that kind of what he calls sinful. He has that burning desire. He, like, wants – he thinks she's yeah. a witch. So She's casting a spell on him. And I, and I like that they show those two things of, like, it's actually not Esmeralda. No. It's the men. It's yeah. their problem. It's so, the way that they're react, reacting The characterization of Cosimodo interacting with um, Esmeralda is this is the first time he's received true acceptance and and kindness from someone and mm-hmm. he's immediately extrapolated that into is that what love is and it is a type of love but it is not romantic love um mm, yeah frollo sees her and decides that she is at fault for his feelings um, which yeah. we all know is not true and therefore he's yeah. a villain um yeah but quasimodo is going i feel like this about yes. her Yes, and it's also the... saying she is making me feel like this about her, and yeah. she is bad. Yeah, yeah, so which is why it's such an interesting show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like that um, that characterization, and like the bit with um, as the bit the bit of characterization we get for Esmeralda is she's obviously like a very kind person. She's obviously okay or good because she's jumping into situations and like making things sort of mm. generally better, but also. Uh-huh. The one time we get any kind of introspection from her is she's standing in the middle of the room screaming out about how she doesn't want a lot. She just wants everyone to, like, be kind to each other. Um, mm. And that's mm. that's interesting, but it's it's very – it's almost passive. <laughs> so, yeah, she doesn't – yeah, it's it's definitely Cosimodo's story. Yeah. Um, Esmeralda, but I that I think it is still, even though she doesn't have all that much to do and she's not really overly developed, I get the sense that she's older yeah. and she's yeah. kind of in charge of herself and she does what she wants and it's more about how the men around her yeah. are reacting to her, um, which I think is an interesting yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I, I do agree quite interesting. on that point. <laughs> mm, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a good movie. There's so many ways yeah. you can like, look and into that, it. And that sequence when she's um, uh, God Help the Outcasts, mm. that is beautiful, inside Notre Dame and, like, mm. the shadows mm. of the mm. other – they're not called petitioners. They're called something when they're Catholic. <laughs> we'll say we'll call them petitioners. Yeah. Um, and just the way she's moving through, like it's it's just stunning. Yeah, because it's it's all of the symbolism is there. They're, they're shadowed, they're hidden, they're asking for mm. personal gain. She's moving against the crowd. She's very mm-hmm. obvious and open. Like everything is shown on her face, um, and she's mm. she's saying not for me, for everyone. Um, yeah, which is it's a it's a beautiful message. I get so bored in that song now because <laughs> I've, yeah. I've heard it that many times. Um, I find the transitions, uh, like, I don't recall any of Quasimodo's songs standing alone. They're either a transition from another scene that's a direct contrast to what he's about to say or mm. he's saying something lovely and it's a complete flip over to 
the bad guy saying terrible things, mm. right? In the film, he only sings out there. He doesn't sing anything else, and that it does. So, and oh no, but he sings um, heaven's, heaven's light. light. It goes yeah. into hellfire, and he sings yeah. out there, and, and out which there. starts from Fro- Frollo telling him, "You're out of form. Oh yeah, you're yeah. yes, yeah. See, stay see, in see? Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. This is this is wonderful because they they're using the music and like the the lyrics to show the extreme contrast because at the side of the show they say who is the monster and who is the man, is the man? Yeah, yeah 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 it's great <laughs> i like yeah, at the end of yeah. the show he gets the the movie he gets the puppet and when he says monster it's the puppet of frollo yes yeah yes there's there's a sequel to this film Have yeah you seen it? yeah i don't i think i borrowed it from the library in the library the Video the video easy. library. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's because that's what we called it. So the video shop. The video sequel. Shop. Yeah, the video is. Appears. I did watch it, and I can only remember parts yeah. of it. I don't remember ever watching it. I think I was probably was by the time s- it came out, I probably. But the main older. character was. He a, gets a love story. Yeah, yes, yeah. The sequel is written to give Quasimodo a love story. So this yeah. one, this is where I start going. Hang on a second. We can't just have people fall in love for the sake of falling in love. There's got to be some characterization here, guys. And I'm going to take the opposite stance to you on this one, Erin, <laughs> uh-huh. purely because she's written solely to be his love interest. So she's not a character in her own right, even though they're giving her, like, um, manic pixie girl vibes. Mm-hmm. She comes into the um, cathedral, he finds her, and it, it's how are they going to get together, not here's a story and they happen to fall in love because the yeah. characterization is built up. It's Which is similar to Jasmine in that, that Jasmine's yeah. kind of a plot device for Aladdin and yeah. Esmeralda is for Quasimodo. I just don't f- – I feel worse about Aladdin <laughs> than I do about <laughs> yeah. Hunchback. Like, I kind yeah. of feel like I think because we didn't recognise it when we were young mm-hmm. as well in Aladdin. Like we were just like, yeah, this is this is how the stories go. Whereas Yeah, and then watching it, I was like, Jasmine doesn't get to do much. No. Yeah. She makes the um, best out of a bad situation, but she still like shouldn't so be put there in that situation. Is a live action remake planned. Mm, yeah. I'm not excited. I mean I am excited, Which... but I'm not excited. I, I have mixed feelings. So yeah. it's uh, it was announced in 2019, um, which is a long time ago. So it may have been shelved over the pandemic and stuff. Um, I think if they do a live action remake of the stage show version, I would like that a, like a lot more. Um, but also Josh Gad is attached to the project to play Cosimodo. Mm. You can't have a Josh Gad type actor. Um, I'm sure he's got hidden depths, but I haven't seen them and I don't want that in Quasimodo. Um, Quasimodo. Like it will be if, funny rather yeah. than genuine. Mm. That's just my opinions. Yeah. 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 Who knows? It may surprise us and you know, yeah. it might not ever happen. It just might be might in developmental be. hell. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about the, um, the book and the musical and this movie, like how they all fit together. So in terms of the musical, um, this is Disney's first musical to premiere outside of the US in 1999, which is the same pattern as um, Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Three years after the film, they have a stage production. But this one went to Germany with Der Glöckner von Notre Dame, Ooh. which is the bell ringer of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it kind of sits somewhere between the book and the movie, um, and I they, love it. Um, but it did 
so in 2014, they adapted that musical. So they made quite a few changes and things um, and uh, put it up at the La Jolla Playhouse in California somewhere, I think. I don't know. Um, and then that production transferred to the paper mill in 2015. So I don't think it ran, like in total, those two locations, I don't think it ran for 12 months. Like I think it was only three or four months at each place. Um, it was, so Stephen Schwartz has come out and said it was never for Broadway, even though there were rumours that they were going to transfer to Broadway. They're like, it's, it was never for Broadway. It's for licensing. So they've written it to be performed as amateur productions. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, which is lovely. Um, but also, I think it would be very expensive to be put on Broadway mm. um, because of you have a choir on stage the entire time. Like a full yeah. choir. A full mm. choir on stage in like choir stalls at the back of the stage for the entire thing, which I think you have to pay. You have to pay them and then I think you have to pay penalties because they don't get like rests and stuff. Mm. I don't know. There's like rules and shit. Um, no, if I don't all- know the ins and outs and that. That might just be a random rumour or something that I dreamed of. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if they're on stage the entire time, which means they have to be on in whatever character they're meant to be performing, be it the faceless mm. choir, they're not resting, they're not drinking, they're not all of that. So they're being paid to be on for that period yeah. of time. Yeah, um, so it's the same with penalty. A crew. If crew walk on stage during lights up and they do anything, like they change the scene around, they get a, they have to be paid penalties for being yeah. on stage because they have to be on for that, um, even mm. if it's just a safety it's thing. Like extra responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, oh, and then also in 26, 2016, 2016, 2016, <laughs> 2016 there was a, a, the first production that incorporated ASL. Oh, I think that's lovely. Which is American Sign Language. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that, and I think that's really interesting yeah. and very appropriate for the way they've approached the production. So mm. in terms of the book, so in the book, um, Frollo isn't... The as he's pure in the film. evil, <laughs> yeah. he's not as pure evil. He's the archdeacon of the um, Notre Dame. Of Notre Dame. Mm. Yeah. So he is the archdeacon. He's somewhat kindly. He's not as puritanical, but he does have those firm beliefs. Mm. He's a complex um, character. He's he's very very complex. Yeah. He and he. So Quasimodo was left. At the cathedral, because back in the day, you could just leave children and babies at churches to be looked after. Mm-hmm. Um, Quasimodo was about four years old when he was left yeah. at the church, and no one wanted him. They're like, ooh, there's a deformed baby, ew. Um, but Frollo actually, out of the kindness of his heart, took him in, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like genuinely, <laughs> not just like, oh, yes, I will, and then he can be used for my purposes. And they develop a bond and they develop a sign language between them because Quasimodo is the bell ringer and they're very loud and he actually does go deaf. Mm-hmm. So he's this deaf hunchback who doesn't really have very good social skills and he does appear out in the town. He doesn't. He's not completely a recluse. He does go to bars and, and shit and the people of Paris are like, ugh, because they're prejudiced, um, mm. but he's like kind of no one around town mm. and they don't like him, so he just doesn't like them, yeah. which is kind of like his character. Um, Frollo has a, a little brother who's 
always asking for money and stuff, um, who has lots of adventures. Um, what's the, uh, what's it? Phoebus. <laughs> Phoebus isn't a captain of the guard. He's like a noble kid who is going into any, any, and he's going to be in a position because back then, if you were noble, you end up being, um, in a position of power. Like, yeah, like mm. lieutenants and captains mm. and yeah. stuff. So he's like about to get his position, but he's just this total womanizing fop. He's mm. got a fiance called Fleur de Lis. Mm. Fleur de Lis. Fleur de Lis. Is that how you mm. say that? <laughs> I don't know. Who is a total fop who's like noble and is like, eh, like makes like gets Esmeralda in for like entertainment. Yeah. And like to make fun of her. Esmeralda mm. is not actually Romani. Ah. She is a white person, <laughs> I guess, mm. um, whose like mother loved her, and then the Romani stole her. Ah. So she, so, which is part of the whole like there's a bit of racism and stuff mm. in the book. So the Romani yeah. stole this baby, who was the most beautiful baby in the world, and her mother was distraught and kept like a shoe, like only one shoe was left or something and the mother was like, oh, my baby, and turned into a recluse. So mm-hmm. she lives, which is um, these holy women who went mad and would like barricade themselves in these little rooms outside churches and mm-hmm. um, the people would like, she'd be at the mercy of the people who would like bring her food and, and stuff and she'd like pray for them or whatever. Mm. Some sort of weird mm. social transaction in that mm. like Catholic tradition. Mm. Um, so she's this raving mad woman locked into this thing, this like room on the outside of Notre Dame. Um, and Esmeralda gets just raised by the Romani mm. and is one of those. And she's only 16 in the book. So she's beautiful. She's got, the, they talk a lot about her slender ankles and slender <laughs> feet because um, that's the hottest part of a woman. <laughs> and she's Damn, really... she's got them ankles. <laughs> Damn, them ankles. And she's um she's kind of she's not like a good person. She's just a vague teenager who's mm. kind of like uh, and she's getting a lot of attention from men and she's like the fuck? Like, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. Um yeah, just trying just to navigate teenagerhood. Yeah. Um, so what happens is that she's dancing at the Feast of Fools. There's another character called Gringoire, I think is how you say it. And he's another kind of narrator who you see things happen from his perspective. And he's the one who ends up in the Court of Miracles. So he ends up in the Court of Miracles and they're going to kill him. And Esmeralda goes, she saves him. So she's like, takes pity on him and says she'll marry him for four years. And it's one of those ceremonial marriages where they don't actually mm. have to do anything. Mm. And after four years, they're, like, free mm. to save this guy. Um, and she's really a little bit uncomfortable. Like, they end up, they have like they go to their hovel, and she's like, ooh, stay away. And he's like, it's okay, I'm not going to do anything. Like, he actually is kind of a good guy. Mm. Um, so that's that kind of bit. But she's dancing in the square, and that's when Frollo sees her. And I think Quasimodo sees her. You don't see, you don't get anything from Quasimodo's um, uh, perspective in the book. It's all all the other characters. So Frollo sees her, and um, I keep every time I go to say his name, I fucking forget what it is. Phoebus. 
Phoebus. I want to say Orpheus, and I'm like, that's not the right one. Phoebus. Phoebus. <laughs> fucking Phoebus. Orpheus. So Orpheus. <laughs> yeah, so, so Phoebus um, sees Esmeralda and is like, that's some hot shit. And so Frollo's like, oh, I've got pants feelings and that's naughty. And I don't know and what to like, do with this because I've been raised in the church and they don't tell us yeah. things. <laughs> consumed with desire. Yeah. And it's really kind of weird. So somehow Frollo and Phoebus end up like uh, hooking up. Hooking and up or just chatting? <laughs> not really. Uh, like they get together and start plotting. Um, oh. <laughs> but Esmeralda has seen Phoebus and fallen in love with Phoebus. She's like, oh, my gosh. Because he's hot he shit. so handsome and yeah. he's beautiful. And he is. He's just this, like, handsome, charismatic dude. But also she has this little, like, trinket thing that she hangs around her neck and she's had some, like, prophecy of, like, she has to remain a virgin and then her parentage will be revealed, like she'll find her mother. There's like some weird prophecy thing. So hmm. she sees Phoebus. She's like, yes, I'm going to remain a virgin forever until I find my mum. And then she sees Phoebus and goes, actually, maybe <laughs> a mom. I'm an maybe adult woman I now. like him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, no, that's fine. So Phoebus romances her and takes her to an inn and, and a room, but let Frollo watch from the cupboard. Gross. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, and so Phoebus is all like, yeah, let's do this. And he's like about to like do the deed. And Frollo's consumed with jealousy and bursts out of the cupboard and stabs Phoebus in the shoulder and then runs away. And Esmeralda's like, what the fuck? But then guards come in and they arrest Esmeralda for attacking the captain of the guard mm. who recovers um, but he kind of gets in trouble with his like fiance for, for being in that position as <laughs> yeah. that. Like, why are you why were you with this this gypsy girl? Um, to use the slur because she did. Um, yeah. and and Phoebus is like, oh, oh and kind of goes off and marries Flodelise, and they live unhappily ever after. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one's there to vouch for Esmeralda that she didn't stab him but Mm. meanwhile and and I think somehow I can't remember the order of events but she does get arrested um and Frollo did have Quasimodo like stalk her to try and kidnap her to bring her to Frollo but then the the townspeople like see you know the weird bell ringer hanging around and like Following the pretty girl, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, Mm. um, so Quasimodo does kind of fall in love with her because he's seen her. Mm. Um, But then she ends up claiming sanctuary in the church and she's like, what do I do now? Because she's 16. So she's like, (laughs) everything sucks. (laughs) I have to be inside for like a few days. And Quasimodo actually brings, like looks after her. And mm. she's initially really scared of him and he's like, yeah, I get you're scared, but here's some food. And he's actually really quite respectful. Mm. Like he knows, she, he's like, I really like you and I'm going to be really kind to you. And in the end she kind of is like, actually, this guy's. I think I'm safe with him, but mm. she never really likes him or like builds a yeah. friendship. They just have like a kind of a truce going on. So he's really respectful of her. Um, and then like she escapes and then there's this big misunderstanding because they catch Esmeralda and they're going to hang her. Um, but then the Court of Miracles gets roused and they like go to like march on Notre Dame to try and rescue her. 
And Quasimodo sees that and goes, oh, no, they're coming to attack her. So then he does the whole molten lava thing. Mm. And so there's this whole, like, siege. And then word gets to the king of France. (laughs) And they're like, oh, there's a mob. They want to see Esmeralda dead, which they don't. They're trying to rescue her. And he's like, well, just murder her then. Like, fucking hang her. (laughs) And so they, like... They go to hang her. So there's all this, like, misunderstanding and misinformation getting passed and there's just these riots going on. And then meanwhile, Esmeralda somehow ends up with her mother in the in the hovel and they realise or the mother realises that it's – oh, her real name's Agnes. Esmeralda's <laughs> real name is Agnes. Agnes. I it's like, it. oh, my God, it's my Agnes. And then, like, falls over and cracks her head and dies. And then Esmeralda gets dragged and hanged. Ah. And then and then they find and then they find um, later they're like digging up you know like the cesspits where they put bodies and stuff they found like a hunchback skeleton wrapped around another skeleton and they're like because he just disappears after that and they're like oh he went and laid down next to her body and died mm-hmm. so that's like the actual kind of story abridged mm. yeah. it was on something I haven't really read in a while. <laughs> <laughs> like from my memory, um, it's, that- it is more interesting. And then there's all there's all this stuff going on, like Frollo's brothers around, and there's all this like stuff that happens. Um, so the musical, the plot of the musical is a lot more similar to the original. So they brought in um, Esmeralda dies in the end. Yep. Mm. So they still do the big, which is the best moment when like Quasimodo swoops in and saves her from the fire and then he stands atop and he's like, sanctuary! And she's mm. all like, sanctuary! You know that bit? Like they yeah, still have that. But, yeah. then, and, but then she like sings a verse of her song and then dies, um, mm. you know, the classic way yep. <laughs> that happens. Um, and they have Frollo is the um, archdeacon instead of the whatever he is in the film. Mm. Um, And he is more ambiguous. He's not just like, I'm evil. He is like a church-going man. Well, obviously he's the archdeacon, but he's like got those um, belief systems. But then he's like, he's got pants feelings for Esmeralda and is all like, this is sinful because it's very puritanical. Um, But he does actually raise Quasimodo. Because I've seen the musical. With the best of intentions. Mm. Yes, yeah, yes. so I've seen the music. I've seen recordings of the music. I didn't see a real one. Um, and slime tutorial. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've what I took from that was it's a story about people. So Frollo is not evil. He's operating off a combination of he's been raised as an orphan in the church with his brother. His brother's been given the same information as him and gone fuck this noise goodbye whereas Frollo's gone the only reason we've we've been alive is we did the right thing we asked God to help us we did the right thing and I have to do the right thing at all times Mm -hmm. otherwise into it my brother will die uh we'll be on the street like all of this stuff so like he's he's got that someone who's broken and then no one's ever taken actual care of him. So he's, yeah. he's, he's just charging through life with these misconceptions and, as- yeah. and assumptions. And he kind of passes that on to Cosimodo yes. in an unhealthy way. Yeah, so the but generational it, trauma happens there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more, rather and, than like active manipulation, yeah. it's more generational trauma. Yeah, and um, mm. Quasimodo's in interacting with a world that instinctively, like, 
retracts from him and so he lashes out, which is the a very reasonable response to people being asses to just because you've walked mm. into a room. And Esmeralda is a pretty young thing who doesn't quite, un, like, who's being objectified by people but hasn't quite got to the point where she knows how to control the situation and... But she is an adult. She's not really young. She's similar to the film that she's kind of an adult and she kind of knows. And she's got some agency but it's not about Mm. her. It's about the men going through life. Um, Not Orpheus And you see more of... Yeah, yeah, Phoebus. Phoebus is a pretty boy (laughs) and he's just sort of rolling through being like, yeah, okay, whatever. His fiance isn't a bitch. She's not the worst person in the world. What she's... She's been raised to be a wife. She's been told that she's going to marry. He doesn't this... have the fiance in the in the musical. I mean, I'm talking about the French one. <laughs> so the French musical is the same, but they have the fiance. The German musical might be German. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's been German. a while since Gluckner I've seen it. Notre Dame. There is uh, a French musical, but it's completely different. It follows the book very closely. So that's the one that I'm thinking of. Her name is Fleur de Lis in that musical. She has a whole song where she's like. I will forgive. Oh, you are thinking of the French musical, yeah. which is based on the book. It's not yes. anything to do with Disney property. Yeah, yeah. Well, there I'm you talking go. about the the paper mill and La Jolla, mm. the Disney version. Well, yeah. Okay, cool. Then I'm talking about the book. Okay. <laughs> the book yeah, is about so different versions. The book is about how people are not necessarily evil, but we're all broken, and you end up when you have a conglomeration of people in power who are broken making shitty decisions. And other people making shitty decisions and passing um, half messages along to people based on their own assumptions rather than based on mm. reality. You end up with yeah. a pure, innocent person who has done fucking nothing wrong except exist being murdered. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, exactly. That's what the point the I was trying to get. And they're all, they're all, um, they're all, they've all got these different motivations that the others don't know about. Yeah, like yeah, and, which and is true like with humanity from each other, which is yeah. which is kind of true of um, like day to day life. You don't really know what someone's actual motivation is in any given mm-hmm. yeah time. And even like, if they tell you happened, straight to your face, "This is why I did something," that could be part of the truth. It could be that they don't actually understand their inherited biases. There's the first thought and second thought theory. The first thought you have is the one that you've been taught. The second thought is the one that you want, that you've chosen to have. That all of that yeah. sort of thing. Like it's a pretty good way of like just looking at the human condition and being like, humans kind of yeah. suck, but we're also maybe that's why of being I like amazing. the book so much. Yeah, like it is. It has these interesting perspectives and different characters, and they're all just on their own, completely own page. Yeah, and none of them are sharing information and stuff. Whereas, yeah, um, the musical is a little bit darker. So Phoebus is kind of a little bit womanizing and charismatic and stuff. Um, he's not the pure gold of the film Phoebus. Oh, but he's um, a golden child. <laughs> but he, yeah, he and he's um, he's not so in the film, which is something I haven't noticed before because mm-hmm. I haven't, I don't think I've watched the film since I've listened to the musical. Um, but in the film, he comes and Frollo's like, I brought you back from the war mm-hmm. to like hunt mm-hmm. down gypsies. Yeah. And Phoebus is like, are you fucking serious? You brought yep. me back from the war. Yeah. Whereas in the musical, 
Phoebus is like, I am doing, I'm on leave. I'm leave fr- on leave from the trenches, which mm-hmm. are absolutely shit. And mm-hmm. I'm going to do anything in my power to never go back there. And so he yeah. ends up getting this job as captain of the guard. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like completely self-serving of like, yep, mm-hmm. I'll kill your gypsies for you. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going back to the trenches. But and then it, gets wrapped up in the story and is yeah. actually has morals and all that, does all the mm-hmm. same things. Yeah, because when you're, when you're doing something from a self-serving, direction even if it's like the best possible thing for you at that time you end up um potentially violating your own morals or doing things that are Mm. dodgy as fuck um and that is a complex thought to have to think through like hey if he says no to frollo he has to go back to the to the trenches like yeah and eventually he does has the same actions where he doesn't burn down the house and get shot and all that um, makes that choice eventually, and we get a little bit more of his perspective when they when they first see Esmeralda. So in the Feast of Full song, it's kind of broken up, um, and you get Phoebus gets a song about coming back from the front, um, and Esmer, and then there's like a little snippet of Feast of Fools, and then Esmeralda gets a song, the rhythm of the tambourine, which does her dance, mm. and then during that, there's like this three way thing between Frollo and Phoebus and. Quasimodo when they're like this girl who is she um and they're describing her and that's when you see the whole like Frollo's going she's a witch and then the other two are like wow she must be an angel to dance like that like Mm. that kind of perspective I get like it's kind of a little bit more fleshed out of how different men are reacting to the woman doing the same thing Mm. Like they're all seeing the same thing and it's how they're reacting and how they're behaving towards her, which is problematic or not problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, So that's like more fleshed out. Quasimodo's deaf. Well, kind of. <laughs> so Partially the, deaf? Yeah. Yeah, partially deaf. So he kind of talks a bit slurred and funny, like he can't really hear, but then he sings like how he um, perceives himself, which is like an angel. Um, and they also do because it's part of this whole, just like the framing device in the film where um, Klopan comes in and he's doing the puppet show and starting mm. to tell the story. You've got like the players telling the story and they're on and off with, and the guy playing Frollo has like 10 layers on. <laughs> he just like takes a layer off each time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got so many things on at the start. Um, and then eventually he ends up and he's like, archdeacon robes as they go through the story but they have this like at the end of the bells of Notre Dame out comes you know this handsome young man and then they ask the question what makes a monster and what makes a man and then he has like paint on his hands and he like puts it on his face and the like players give him Quasimodo's outfit and then it's like on the button when they finish he's like hunched over Mm. as Quasimodo. I've seen that like, the, bit. Yeah, it's so good. It's like this transformation of like we're telling you this story and then like, yeah, and the question is what makes a monster and what makes a man? Yeah. Um, which you kind of get in the yeah. film but it starts yeah. with who is the monster and at the end it's like what? They mm. changed the question. Because um, the film is for children and the stage show is for is, adults. Yeah. And I think at the end they changed the question because that was the – more obvious one by the end you figured out by now what yeah. is the monster what's yeah. the man you should have yeah. seen and then what makes a monster yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah there's a lot more of that kind of ambiguity of how people are acting or how the characters mm. interact and and this is and why that. this is the best of the disney films 
because it's so mm. complex and you can spend hours and hours and hours just being like, and the way that this character interacts with that character, it means mm. all of these interesting things. <laughs> but it comes from, I suppose it's because it's an adaptation of yeah. this novel and which was like, a look so into like in humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so probably like there are so many adaptations of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. Um, just in general, you get them all mixed up. This is the kind but of yes. storytelling that I enjoy where, like, you can have a beautiful set, but if you've got no character development, I'm out. Yeah. Um, this this musical is one that I have because I have a CD player in my car because my car's old, but I love <laughs> to play it in the car because the best bit is Olim into the Bells of Notre Dame when it, like, yeah. builds. Yeah. And I'm like, like, I'm always, like, volume up to the highest and it's like, oh, like, I just love it. I yeah. Love it so much. It's so yeah. good. Um, and, yeah, I listen to that like again and again and again. And, I, like, and I'm and i really like, Alan Menken, this is your finest work. But it might just be kind of like his most complex. I feel like I read at some point that um, Hunchbacks of Notre Dame was one of those ones where they'd had such success for so long that the studio heads were like, you know what, you can have your pet project. And then they did mm. it and they went, this wasn't what we asked for. This was a complex, like, introspective type thing. Yeah, yeah it was pretty, but why did you spend so much money on this? And then they had to go back did, to the formula. Yeah, <laughs> it did It did well, but it didn't have the accolades of yeah. The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the mm. Beast especially. Like it didn't have, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that, that led to talent going in interesting directions because they were like, wait a second, we're not here to be wonderful and creative, we're here to make the money. <laughs> oh, and this yeah. is the first time. So you know how in all the other Disney films and they have like the I Want Song Ballad and then mm -hmm. in the credits they have someone like Celine Dion singing the I Want yep. Song Ballad in the pop version? This is the first one when we get the boy band singing. <laughs> what did they <laughs> but sing? I can't remember the... Um, Oh, they sang Someday, which was a, a song that was cut from the film. Oh, Someday, Someday we are wiser, no, wiser when the world's older, when we have when learned. When we have learned. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's pretty. Yeah. It's a duet between, actually, I, I think they just wrote it because anyone could sing that, but Esmeralda and Phoebus sing it when mm. they're in the Court of Miracles. Or when they've just been captured from the Court of Miracles and they're, and they're all locked up and they're like, one day there will be acceptance in the world. Yeah, it'll like, be better. Every time I hear it, I'm like, we're still It's the song that there. looks directly at the audience and says, are you getting the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is on the nose. Yeah. But then I'm always like, and we're like, it's still relevant. <laughs> oh, We're still yeah. not there. We're still singing this song that's on the nose. Like, Yeah. Which is why it's still relevant today. It's going to be relevant yeah. forever. Yeah. So that was The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Have you read the book? What do you think of Disney tackling such dark themes? You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Isn't It Neat Pod. You can email us on Isn't It Neat Pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to leave us a review because that really helps us out. Thanks for listening. Now go and enjoy something you think is neat. No spell, 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 spell,